Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of September 11th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And before we dig into last week, I think it's worth mentioning that it is, in fact, the week of September 11th. So for those of you remembering friends, family, Loved ones that were lost on this day 20 plus years ago. I'd just like to mention that I'm thinking about you as well and thinking about what a horrendous day that was. And ultimately every year that it comes along, it feels as if we get further and further from that day, but it also feels closer and closer to that moment, which will never be forgotten. So with that, I'd like to take a look at last week's action, which I think was a week where you had the market struggling with some of the economic data that is starting to pour in here in the final, let's call it quarter or so of the year. And that data, as we've talked about, has been mixed. Last week was really no exception, but what was also mixed was all of those Fed presidents that were speaking last week. I mentioned it. Seven different Fed presidents were speaking last week, either being interviewed or on panels. And here's just a sampling of what we heard. Collins said, be patient. John Williams said, be data dependent. Bostich said, hire for longer. And then Goolsby said, it's not about hikes. It's now about how long we keep rates high. So, you could try and do a word cloud with all of those different speeches. I'm sure someone somewhere on the Internet has done that. But even within the ranks of the various Fed presidents at the various regional banks across the country are signaling different things. But when you all tie it back together, it seems as if we're in agreement that the data continues to pour in the aggressive trajectory of rate hikes hasn't necessarily worked its way fully through the economy and the trajectory of interest rates is perhaps still mismatched with the inflationary backdrop. What I mean by that is it feels as if many of these Fed presidents are a little bit cautious on the idea that, yes, PPI has come down considerably, has run negative for a couple months. Yes, CPI has come in quite a bit. But there is a fear that we could get a reacceleration, especially when you see what energy prices have done over the course of the past couple months. And more recently, the acceleration we've seen in WTI and Brent crisis globally. We also got ISM services, which beat, and that represents eight straight increases. In fact, you strip out one decline, which feels anomalous back in December. And this services index continues to show very strong services activity economy-wide. And here's a note from that print. There has been an increase in the rate of growth for the services sector, reflected by increases in all four sub-indexes that directly favor into the composite services PMI. And faster supplier deliveries, Sentiment among business survey committee respondents varies by industry. However, the majority of panelists are positive about business and economic conditions. Now, that doesn't read like something that is reflective of an economic downturn or a potential recession. And so getting back to that 
ongoing theme between certain economic data points pointing to the risk of a recession, certain economic data points pointing to the strength of the economic backdrop, and that ISM services print certainly underscores just how strong the services segment of the market is and how optimistic it seems many of the panelists and survey respondents are about the market. So you add it all up and the S&P 500 is down 1.3% for the week, now up 16.1% year to date, fairly light flow and volume week, 518 or so million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup. We did have basically nine of the 11 gig sectors down for the week. The only two sectors that were positive for the week were utilities, and energy. Energy was the best performing sector for the week, up 1.44%, largely driven, as I mentioned, by that increase in crude oil prices that we're starting to see bubble up, as well as some action in the natural gas market. The worst performing sector for the week was industrials, down 2.91%, but you had technology down 1.94%. And although discretionary and Communication services held up pretty well, outperformed the market. Discretionary down 54 basis points. Communication services down 21 basis points. That move in technology, such a big weighting in the market, and some of these cyclical sectors like industrials, was enough to drag the market down for the week, about 1.3%. Now, on a flows basis, it was actually a pretty positive week when you remove 5 million shares redeemed out of XLF, two and a half million shares redeemed out of XLE, because after that, it was 4.3 million shares redeemed out of XLC. Then it was 3.6 million shares created in XLY, and then more than 1 million new shares created in five different sectors. So some actual redemption bias in a couple big chunky redemptions, and then a creation bias in a wide range of sectors. What that means, once again, week to week, quarter to quarter, month to month, is very much noise. But as we look at this stuff week to week, data, performance, flows, and volume, we at the very least get a feel for where the market is at this point in time. As we've come out of the Labor Day holiday, as we're moving into fall ahead of the holiday season, where you expect a lot of advisors, a lot of investors, institutional, retail, or otherwise, to Start reconciling what's happened so far in 2023, what's expected to happen into year end, and start to put together expectations for 2024, believe it or not. And I think this week's action is certainly distinct from what we've seen for the bulk of 2023. And more importantly, it speaks to the challenging mix of economic data that comes through. And of course, we've got a lot of it coming this week, which I'll get to in a minute. But before we get to the economic data points and earnings outlook for this week, what I'm going to dig into this week as a sector in focus is financials. And it's a sector we haven't talked about much since the spring, partly because it feels as if People look at that period in March when we saw these regional banks failing and concerns about contagion with those regional bank failings. That seems to have just sort of been put on the shelf in the closet and in many ways viewed as some sort of mini crisis that came and went. And the reality is, is that those dynamics, the mismatch between assets and liabilities, the mismatch between what these companies have borrowed money at, what they're lending money at, 
remains. And it's largely due to the fact that interest rates increase as quickly as they have. And many of these financial institutions, diversified or otherwise, lend a lot of money out at really low rates and are borrowing at much higher rates. Now, if you look at these large diversified financial institutions, in theory, they're in a much better place because they have other business lines to offset any of the losses in credit provisions, any of the losses in loan provisions. And we're seeing that play out from a relative performance perspective. So first and foremost, you look at the performance of XLF year to date, and it's up just 1.24% on a total return basis. So not much to write home about when the market's up nearly 17% year to date. But if you look at the regional banking index as measured by the companies in KRE, down 24%, nearly 25% on a total return basis year to date. And if you go back just six months, so looking back toward that March period where we saw Signature and Silicon Valley and some of these other smaller regional banks either go out of business or be acquired or both, we still have KRE and the companies within it down nearly 13% on a total return basis. And XLF is actually up 5% over that period of time. IVV or the S&P 500 proxy for it up 16% over that period of time. So the point here is that XLF and the companies within it have actually held up on a relative basis fairly well compared to those regional banking counterparts. It speaks to the universe here where you're only picking companies from the S&P 500 to include an XLF. It gives you, in theory, a bias towards larger cap banks, larger cap financial institutions that, as we mentioned, have much more diversification. And we see month to month, week to week, these wild flow numbers from XLF. As we've talked about, it's a product that's used by such a wide range of investors. And if you look at one month flows in XLF, about 1.4 billion or so out of XLF over the past month. You look at it year to date, it's actually got nearly 1.7 billion in net flows into XLF. And then you look at it over a one year period and it's got 221 million out or roughly flat. That's not a big number for a product as big as XLF. So the point is, is if you go back to last year and we saw these massive inflows into XLF early in the year and then we said massive outflows out of XLF in the middle of the year, and then some reconciliation at the end of the year, tax loss harvesting, et cetera. And then so far this year, we've actually seen positive flows into XLF, 1.7 billion or so. But that doesn't feel necessarily like the experience we've seen so far in 2023, largely because we've seen these periods with these massive creations, massive redemptions, back and forth, push, pull. And the financial services sector or the financial select sector spider and the sector it represents is one of those challenging segments of the market that investors are really trying to grapple with because historically when interest rates rise like they have, financials companies typically tend to do well because of that net interest margin improvement from borrowing short and lending long. Well, in this case, as we've talked about, that mismatch has been in the other direction where they've actually lent so much money at such low rates and they're borrowing money at now higher rates and they're having to grapple with the impact on their balance sheets of that dynamic. Not to mention, of course, this ongoing challenge in the backdrop, in the financial sector of measurement, pricing, valuation, 
of all of this commercial real estate exposure, whether it's exposure to the properties themselves, whether it's exposure to the properties via various financial products, financing, etc. And we've got a while until all of that stuff works its way through. Depending on what you read, we're talking about north of a trillion dollars of real estate, specifically commercial real estate tied financing that's going to have to be refinanced, that's going to have to be ultimately modified and updated. And in many ways, that's a challenge for these diversified financial institutions, perhaps a bigger challenge for these regional banks. And we're seeing the relative performance dispersion between those regional banks and the companies in XLF. But the punchline here is that XLF and the companies within it seem to be, at least based on the market's relative valuation of these companies, the market's relative performance and flow story within it, much more comfortable with the nature of the business for companies in the S&P 500 in the financial sector. And again, I think that's always going to be the case when you talk about different cap buckets in the sector landscape. When you're talking about S&P 500 financials companies, you're talking about large, profitable, blue chip institutions. When you get further and further down the cap spectrum into the mid cap and small cap space in the financial sector, you inevitably get into smaller regional banking institutions whose margin of error as it relates to bad loans, bad operations is so much thinner. And we're seeing that play out in real time. And we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the year and into 2024. I just thought that was an interesting subject to dig into this week. And so looking ahead to next week, we've got economic data. In fact, it is CPI week. So on Wednesday, we'll get CPI. Core is expected to be at about 4.3% year over year, 0.2% month over month. So we'll see whether or not it runs hotter or cooler than that and what the market's reaction to that is. Thursday, we'll get PPI. And as we've talked about, as it relates to the consumer discretionary sector and to the consumer at large, that difference, that delta between the pace at which PPI or wholesale inflation has come down and the rate at which CPI has come down is driving, in theory, some potential margin expansion for some of the companies in the market. The question, of course, is how long does that play out for? And we'll get a read on the latest PPI and CPI and whether that gap is closing. And if it is, in fact, closing, then in theory, that margin expansion that benefited companies might tend to reverse and might, in theory, make some of those consumer segments of the market a little more attractive relative to perhaps some of those other segments of the market that stood to benefit from that delta between wholesale level inflation and consumer level inflation. We'll also get retail sales and consumer sentiment. So we're going to get a real feel for the stat state of the consumer this week. And on an ongoing basis, based on that services print, based on some of the economic data we've got tied to the consumer economy, that is one segment of the market that has been very strong, one segment of the economy that remains robust. On the earnings front, just three companies reporting. The only one that jumped out at me was Adobe, which of course is a very large company and very influential in the enterprise space. So we'll see what type of enterprise level spending these companies are realizing in an environment where clearly there is some uncertainty in certain segments of the market. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me once again. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. For those of you down at Future Proof, hope to see you in person. 
For the rest of you, please visit sectorspiders.com for everything you need to know about sectors, research content, updates, market perspectives, and much more. Take care. 